0: Welcome to episode 12 of OT Conversations That Matter, the podcast, focusing on occupational therapists partnering with optometry and vision specialists. My name is Justine Jecker, and I will be hosting today's episode. The impetus for the episode came about as CAOT begins to explore building interprofessional relationships with vision care specialists. We know that patient-inclined care is dependent upon successful interprofessional relationships, where informed and accessible referrals can be made to those working in primary vision care. OTs and ODs, the acronym for optometry, could be better supporting and informing each other's practices with a better understanding of roles. The evolution of optimal care requires effective collaboration and communication between differing professions, especially when there is overlap in vision care delivery. Dr. Shirley Haw is a neurorehabilitative optometrist and fellow of the College of Optometrists and Vision Development. She is one of the founders and served on the Executive Board of Vision Therapy Canada, a nonprofit organization that provides vision therapy education to optometrists and raises awareness of vision therapy and rehabilitation through public and government advocacy across Canada. She is currently on the advisory board of the Neuro-Optometric Rehabilitation Association also known as NORA, a multidisciplinary organization based in the United States with a board of directors made up of OTs and ODs. Dr. Haw has a special interest in pediatric eye care and binocular vision abnormalities. Her motto is to give patients of all ages the gift of vision beyond healthy eyes and 20-20 eyesight and afford them every opportunity to see and succeed in life. Pamela Chinchilla graduated as an optometrist from the University of La Salle, Bogota, Colombia. She practiced for more than 15 years in her native city of Bucaramanga, both in her private practice as well as an associate at an ophthalmology clinic. Following her move to Canada, she registered with the College of Optometrists in Vision Development, COVD, in the United States where she became a vision therapist in 2016. She also trained with Vision Therapy Canada, VTC, on their Practical Vision Therapy Accreditation Program. During her more than eight years of work as a vision therapist in Canada, Pamela has developed a special interest in working in areas such as TBI and ABI in stroke rehabilitation, where the importance of interprofessional collaboration is emphasized. Welcome to both Shirley and Pamela. Thank you for being on the podcast today. To get us started, I'm gonna ask you, Shirley, what are your experiences working with interprofessional teams? So thank you, thank for, you. Inviting, um, for inviting us. So
1: definitely um, the ultimate goal, in my opinion, when we work um, interprofessionally, um, the most important person is our client or patient. As we name them respectively, and working with them has taught me a lot. And just like you said earlier, rehab activities um, they do overlap, and we really want our patients to or clients to return to work, um, to regular life, in spite of their injuries. Sometimes, with their overall well-being in mind. Um, we would love to continue to work with other professionals so that um, we can do pacing, organization, um, helping our clients kind of recover from their injuries. So my, my goal for being on this podcast is to um, make sure that vision is recognized and, um, and communicate how vision can impact uh, physical dysfunctions, and the ultimate goal for all all the team members, because it really takes a village to kind of heal um, an individual who suffered um, neurologically, such as a concussion, strokes, dementia, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, whatnot. And the goal is to really return everyone back to work and to regular life um, with overall well-being in spite of some of the injuries that haven't completely healed. We still need to get them back um, to real life to have better quality of life.
0: Thank you Shirley and for you Pamela, um, do you have similar experiences working with interprofessional teams? Uh, Well, thank you very much for the invitation for the podcast
2: and uh, yes, definitely. I, I agree with with uh, Shirley about what she's saying of the, the relationships with with other professions, um, especially at the moment that we work with so many um, uh, overlap of our professions, especially OTs and PTs. I think we are a perfect complement to each other. Um, most of the times when when I'm working with patients uh and then doing their visual training and and working with eye movements uh if they're working with with a physiotherapist and they're working in their neck um uh work on the neck will affect how they work with their eyes um so definitely if we were in a better communication with the professionals the results will be better for our patients or our clients as dr ha mention it. So I think it is it is important. And I think we as our health professionals, we should uh, promote and look for this uh, liaisons and interprofessions to help the patients in in, at the end. That is that is the whole goal of of
0: this. Absolutely, Pamela. And I think that our audience might not be aware of is um, May across Canada is Vision Month. And it's something that for the first time at CAOT, to honor and acknowledge uh, with our upcoming conference next month. Um, and we do have a session focused on vision, but it's really to begin to highlight these interprofessional relationships that we should be promoting in healthcare for patient care, because we really are seeing the same individual the same sorts of um, issues. And you identified some things such as stroke, concussion, uh, brain injury, uh, Shirley, when you were talking about the different populations that you're seeing. And as occupational therapists, this is, you know, incredibly important for us. Um, At CUT, we do focused on low vision, rehabilitation, and, And that is a particularly specific area of of vision in occupational therapy. But I think this podcast is really to highlight um, the opportunities for occupational therapists in any area of practice to be considering vision. And so I'm I'm wondering, Shirley, if you'd like to speak to, what areas of overlap do you see between occupational therapy and optometry?
1: Many. Um, Each of the healthcare disciplines, including OT, you know, you guys possess expertise um, that's essential to maximize the independence and the quality of life of the populations that we um, manage and deal with. So with respect to vision, I'm going to be the eye doc speaking right now, and I'm going to say vision is the dominant sense. It's pervasive in the brain, and it occupies literally every aspect of the brain. And in, in reality, the visual system is represented in every major lobe of the brain, as well as the midbrain and the brain stem. Hence, neurological compromise, whether it's acquired, and like I said earlier, um, your CVA, your TBI, your Downs, or your cerebral palsy, or even degenerative, like I mentioned earlier, like your Parkinson's, um, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, All of them affect the visual system so compromising the visual system can lead not only to eye movements and coordination disorders but visually it can affect um, the detailed vision and constrict your peripheral vision Um, and as a result it will affect the output the physical output the movement the mobility And that's where your expertise come into play. And I know um, that May is Vision Health Month. Um, At the same time, I want to really delineate the low vision rehabilitation versus our quote, type of functional vision rehabilitation. What we deal with, what Pam and I deal with more is um, with the assumption that structurally the brain is intact. You, the clients or patients have had their MRI, TBI, um, MRI, CT scans, and everything is absolutely normal. There's no structural issue. And that should be primary because we don't want any bleeds, any swelling, and that's where the medical community come in. But functionally, these patients have gone from doctor to doctor to uh, other health professionals, and they're just kind of left out there with no one to help them. And mentally, it's very draining. And so these patients and clients can tend to become very depressed. Um, and their quality of life just not there. They're, they're not motivated. They can't go to work. Um, and that's where I think that's where the delineation comes in. Um, they're not visually impaired. They can see. They're not functioning properly. And that's where we come in, where we look at... Um, looking at it more on the neuro-optometric rehabilitation-wise versus low vision rehabilitation-wise. And so some of these specialized treatment techniques would include spot or sector partial patches, and it would include um, prisms. It can, um, and prisms can be so varied. It can be compensatory, it can be yoked, it can be what we call active versus passive and it just helps to reorient the clients or patients in space. Um, There are also field expanding devices, peripheral awareness, prism systems, um, tinted lenses, and of course the uh, vision rehabilitation that we do. So I'm gonna quote John Streff, when vision is functioning well, it enhances and stabilizes, and when it is not, it interferes. So overall rehabilitation outcome and quality of life, they're greatly enhanced by the inclusion of everybody of the interdisciplinary team that we need for our patients and clients.
0: Thank you very much for that, Shirley, and I appreciate the delineation between the terms low vision rehabilitation and other forms of vision rehabilitation because Especially for our listeners, there's probably a lot of OTs new to the world of optometry and understanding all the different terms and then the spectrum of service delivery. So even vision therapy is something that is specific. It's not something that all optometrists are engaging in. And, and that brings me to you, Pamela, as a vision therapist uh, in Canada. How how do you experience your role and is there overlap with occupational therapy?
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um... For me, uh, moving from my optometry world uh, to the vision therapy world, where I do my work 100% of the time, um, it it is it is a life-changing professionally, but it is a different approach to help with with my education uh, to the patient. And when Shirley was mentioning all the um, equipment or the prisms and lenses and uh, occlusions that that in the neurooptometry can help uh, patients. Um, the other part goes in hand, which Shirley was mentioning as, as well as is, is, is the vision therapy part. So if Shirley prescribes some uh, yoke prism, for example, that that will help the patient to change the way they can move their eyes into their visual field. So if if there is a limitation, it's something that with the terap- therapy and with the stimulation of the patient, they can start using that area that it was supposedly to be limited and restricted. And remember, we have neuroplasticity in our side. So not necessary because there is a diagnosis of a visual field restriction that you had been diagnosed with, with visual field. That means that the patient will never be able to use that part. Again, neuroplasticity exists. I have patients and I have examples of patients that I had been working and it had been diagnosed with visual field defects. It had been tested. We had been doing visual field and the restriction is there. And by stimulating, by therapy, by putting their eyes uh, uh, and the patient to use that area of restriction, it, it stimulates again. So if we have an interaction with with in case in this case with you guys and uh, let's have that we let's pretend that we have a patient that is in a hospital with a stroke with a lot of limitations of their their movement um if we can approach and help that patient and, and and work in the hand in hand with you guys from the hospital the patient recovery not only will be better but probably will be faster so this is also touching into help or time of the patient in the hospital, recovery for the patient, and again, making them independent and self-confident. And, and again, to what Dr. Howe was mentioning of, of that recovery, not only physically, but also animically for the patient.
0: Absolutely. So being able to work in tandem, especially, it sounds like um, having, you know, pre-established interprofessional relationships, you know, while you're working with clients is very helpful because being in hospital, especially for those who have experienced stroke, when they're they're being discharged in the community, having um, an optometrist and or a VT and an occupational therapist working together, uh, and for those who don't know what VT is, it's the acronym for vision therapist, um that that's really helpful for the client for the patient that they have you know um two or three providers who uh have a similar focus but are really you know um, able to help the client in different ways and i think and in, in we do have a vision network as I identified but my understanding in in the role of ot's working in vision across canada is really to get back to the function piece which shirley mentioned uh earlier in her description but for really enabling people to be able to participate in either their paid employment, schooling, volunteer work, um, but being able to get back to what they were doing. And it can involve uh, compensatory strategies such as you know, focusing on the environment, the lighting, textures, um, uh, working with the optometrists and giving feedback on how lenses are being used at home. And then there's also the remediation strategies. And I'm wondering, Pamela, if you can talk a little bit about that, because uh, I know with vision therapy, it's one of those things that there's exercises that clients come and see the vision therapist, they learn a new exercise they need to go home and be able to work on it. And I'm wondering the role of the OT, does it fit in there? Are they are they supposed to be assisting with that? Oh, definitely. I, I think it will be
2: ideal if the visits that you guys do at home uh, will help the patient to do the home training activities that they need to do on a regular basis. That will be ideal because um, The patient will normally be overwhelmed with all the things that they need to do, but if they have a third uh, hand to give them the help to do the activities, the recovery definitely will be better and the exercise and the practice will be uh, properly done. So if that will be the case, again, recovery time will be faster and will be better instead of these patients waiting for years and years and years, as Shirley was saying, going from doctor to doctor, then when they finally end up finding us, the, the, probably the help of the occupational therapist at that point is already gone. So if if we were able to work that together, it will be the ideal world, honestly, for patients and, and for us professionally, because I think that when we, signed to professional uh, health careers, we really put our soul and, and and our hearts into the recovery of our patients and we really want the best for the patients. So when you feel that your help can just be limited by, this is your job as a vision therapist and you cannot move from there because that it, it, it entails to another profession that you cannot work with, it is kind of frustrating. Um, so I think if we can uh, make those connections and uh, and I can work with a, an occupational therapist, I do have a patient that had a traumatic brain injury and he has a regular occupational therapist that goes and see him three times a week and I talk to her and I discuss which are the activities, she's helping him immensely and the difference between his progress when he was doing it by himself than when he this uh, occupational therapist is helping him it had been from one side to another one it's totally like from black to white
0: that's really really good to know and i think um uh, a couple of similarities with vision therapy and occupational therapy is it's not often known what clients are covered for in their insurance plans, and so I think it's important for uh, patients to, you know, look into that, and also for healthcare providers to assist with uh, supporting patients and understanding what um, resources and benefits are available to them. And then the other thought I had too is uh, for those that are listening today. Um, Vision therapy is is different from OT in the sense that it isn't an autonomous um, profession. Uh, VTs work under and with um, optometrists. So uh, you won't find a vision therapy clinic on its own without an optometrist present. But um, the two two types of of, uh, streamlines, optometry and vision therapy, um, it really gives uh, patients more options for recovery and rehabilitation. And that's something that I think for OTs, if if we don't know, we should be aware of. Um, That does bring me to the last question of the podcast today. And I'm wondering, uh, going back to you, Shirley, how do you think we can make it easier for patients to access both um, optometry and occupational therapy services at the same time? So I think we need to um, communicate between our
1: um, disciplines, and we need to have the interprofessional understanding of the paradigms of care within our disciplines. Sometimes is that lack of communication between our two professions. And also we need we need to include the client and patient. And I think that's the missing piece because when patients there there's this um um I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Um when people come for neuro-optometric rehabilitation or quote vision therapy and by the way they're different um because the it, it definitely should not be confused because vision therapy is additional therapy that's needed by some brain injury survivors whereas neuro rehab is the therapy that utilizes the prisms, the lenses, the filters, the sector occlusion to help stimulate parts of the brain which are not functioning to their highest potential due to the disruptions and interruptions caused by the brain injury, is to increase information processing, whereas vision therapy is different. So in essence, when people think of both, they think of just about the eyes, but I want You to. I want the listeners to realize when we're doing uh, neuro-optometric rehab or vision therapy, we're doing um, the whole organism. We're looking at it's a holistic process, which means when even clients, when they come here, they they really think about their eyes. But once they are doing some of the activities with Pam, they will. They sometimes often ask, "Well, why am I doing this one?" Because. We need to form a foundation, say, if you don't have the core, if you're not grounded. Um, So sometimes it might not even involve your visual process yet. And that's where this interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary approach becomes important because in our space, we try to eliminate visual um, complexity and, and the overwhelmness of it. Whereas when clients go home, they might be in their office with bookshelves full of books, and with cabinets, like like their 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 office or their environment might be so busy that when they go home, they have the symptoms again. So that's where communication with an OT, for example, because you have access to the patient's space. We need you to reorganize, remove. I call it visual diet. They they need to go on a vision diet while they're recovering to eliminate all that noise that their um, that visual motion sensitivity. Um, the the noise that they're getting visually. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. I I really like how you clarified to the different types of therapy and also just all the systems that are involved in vision. So for occupational therapists being able, you know, we're, we're trained to understand the vestibular system, neurological system, cardiovascular system. And, and really what you're speaking to is that vision is connected so integrally throughout the entire body that these systems have to be worked on in order to improve vision. Uh, and so um, you, that's a huge takeaway is that you know clients who engage whether it's neurocognitive rehabilitation or vision therapy or even another form of vision therapy uh or sorry vision rehabilitation that they're going to be focusing on these different systems and as well the vision the visual system and so um yeah that it's really a whole person approach and and i'm wondering Shirley, can you give a sense in your clinic, what's the average uh, time frame? And I know that's a hard question to answer because clients come with all different sorts of conditions. But what? How? How long would a typical client be going for rehabilitation?
1: Now that definitely depends because as you um, you probably will agree with me, if you've seen one brain injury, you've only seen one brain injury, because it all depends on the makeup of the individual to start off with. Were they actually fragile? Were they already robust? So, um, an athlete with a concussion might not suffer as much as, say, a um, let's say just let's just say a cerebral palsy um, kid who has a concussion because the brain it really depends on the fragility of it already. It, it so varies. Oh my goodness, Pam, um, I, I don't know. The fastest that we've ever gotten anybody, maybe six months. Would you say?
2: Yeah, maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a that's a really tough question to to um, answer because but, you yeah you need to look at you need need to look at everything and already Justine you already alluded to the mental state the um, how are they physically how are they emotionally because if they're not balanced internally, it will get in the way of, of rehab, because sometimes many of them, um, they get in their own way. And we sometimes need to clear that we need to make sure it's it's completely flat and foundation is all flat before we start building. And, and you know, psychology comes into play as well. <laughs> and acquired brain injury is a multifaceted lifelong syndrome. So there's really no overnight cure. There's really no, quote, time frame cure. There's only the, I would say only the perfection of the patients, not not patients is in the perfection of patients as the client or patient is putting their one foot in front of the other on their road to recovery.
0: Well, and I think you you identifying that six months is like a bare minimum gives um, a sense of the road to recovery and just and developing new skills, right? because um, because people's lives can be dramatically changed and they they might um, reacquire some pre-existing level of functioning, but not necessarily. I think I think that's what I'm hearing is that by learning to use all these systems differently, you're you're rebuilding yourself and you're evolving. I'm I'm going to turn things over to Pamela to to close our podcast for today. And Pamela, what what thoughts would you like to leave our listeners with as as they leave this discussion?
2: Um, Thank you. So, yes, I was thinking with your clarification, uh, Justine, it was was great about the, the access of vision therapy. Definitely, yeah, there is no access of a vision therapy directly. We work under the supervision of an optometry. And normally it is a neurooptometry that had been going through more education to have an area of specialty to work in there. So, not every optometry, it is a neurooptometrist or a behavioral optometry, and not every optometry office has vision therapy working um, in their offices. So it will be in in the case of of we working together, it will be important to have that clarification. Same way that not every optometrist has that low vision. So same thing with with the part of of neurooptometry and uh, and uh, vision therapy. Um, the other thing is that the vision therapist normally goes through a lot of education and and, and practice. Uh, there is no vision therapy that is not required to have certain amount of hours of working with the patient. So not everybody is 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 uh, getting into vision therapy. So we're well educated, we have good, good um, practice and hours and experience. And, uh, and I think the other part that I wanted to clarify, uh, into the things that we do, it is that that connection between the eyes and the brain. We're not, um, we're not working for the seeing well and the glasses that will give them the 2020. It is, that is just a minimum part of what it is done. We're working with that connection uh, as Dr. Howe was saying of, of the functional connection between eyes and brain, which which is the individual. So that I think that is super important for the listeners to, to understand and and get a better idea on how much um, we can do and we can do together. So that was my clarification and thank you for that.
0: Thank you so much, Pamela. I I really wanna thank you and uh, Dr. Haw, this Dr. Shirley Haw, Pamela Chinchilla for being on our podcast today. I think we have learned a ton in terms of just, where you know, this is step one into the world of vision and occupational therapy. And there's OTs that have been doing this for their entire careers. And um, I'm really looking forward to having them on future podcasts to talk about role of uh, the specialized role of occupational therapists working in vision Um, but this is definitely a relationship that's going to be growing over time Uh, just a reminder for our upcoming conference in may 2022 we have the president of the canadian association of optometrists dr harry bonsack And we have an optometrist from BC, uh, Dr. Cameron McCrodin, who will be on our panel representing um, optometry and um, two occupational therapists, uh, Teresa Guola and Stephanie Scher, uh, who also work in vision. And so um, I really look forward to learning more about vision and occupational therapy as this discussion unfolds and for anybody interested in responding to the podcast or reaching out with questions uh, you can contact us at practice at caot.ca thanks everyone